Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bath film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug Tilly. Bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, it's March. 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 Yeah, the greatest month of the year, don't you think? It's Stone Cold Month. How so? It's 316. Oh, that's true. Stone cold, stone cold, stone cold. That's right, Mo. And what? we're back. <laughs> My God, King. As God is my witness. Anyway, anyway, yeah. it is March, and we are back once again on No Budget Nightmares, the podcast that you and I host. That's true. Mm-hmm. We do, in and, fact, host this. And Mo, we're not gonna we're not gonna dilly dally this time around. For one thing, we're on a schedule, so we need to keep it. Yep. Uh, because otherwise, Mo will lose his job, and if Mo loses his job, we'll go back to the old days of No Budget Nightmares, where Mo sounded depressed all the time. Yeah, because I haven't been depressed at all for the last. No, never mind. Go ahead. All right, Mo is in depressed mode because it is Stone Cold <laughs> Month here on <laughs> No Budget Nightmares. What? But today, Mo. Yeah. We're going to be talking about a very special. Feature. You know, the last time we were together, Mo, in February, mm-hmm. the month of love, uh, we had uh, uh, a, a Patreon-picked subject to talk about. Correct. And it was fun. It was fun to talk about. The reaction to it was very nice. Uh, but uh, but we're, we have to move back into our kind of regular mode of watching classic or the opposite of that, no-budget <laughs> films. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so, I, think, I think we made a good uh... – a, a good jump from from the previous to uh, to this one. I think this is actually a surprisingly good follow up to uh, yeah to uh, Jennifer help us. In fact, I think there are not, there's not necessarily parallels, but there are going to be things, inspirational things to talk about regarding how both films happen uh, compared to when this one that we're going to talk about was made in 1979, and when something like Jennifer Help Us from like 2000. 14 or 2013 and the differences between then and now it's something that we might get into but yes the movie we're talking about today is from 1979 what's it called mo it's called weasels rip my flesh is that how you have to say the title you have to if you say it any other way it just sounds corny because <laughs> otherwise it doesn't at all thank you <laughs> now what is the first thing you think of mo porn when someone says weasels rip my flesh uh well i mean honestly that that's a very exploitative title it is yeah so i i'm going to imagine like the old like creature films of the the well the 70s and uh and and going back like i i i would imagine um or maybe even like the 50s you know like with like uh uh food of the gods or like night of the lepus and stuff like that where you'd have like these giant like a giant creature film. Now, of course, Night of the Lepus is from the 70s, Mo. Uh, yeah, well, I know. I'm 
<laughs> just poorly timed words there. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting you to say any of that at all. I expected you to say Frank Zappa. Oh, see, no, I'm not a. I I never listened to much Zappa. So you're not a Zappa head. Uh, no. Is that something that people are? I don't know. Are they? Sure. I'm a hardcore Zappa head. <laughs> this is yeah. my xylophone solo. There, that's my Zappa impression. Yeah, he was a little too off kilter for my taste generally, but you know, I appre- I appreciate it. But I believe that there is a Frank Zappa album called Weasels Ripped My Flesh. Oh, we'll see. And there you go. In fact, I think it was the inspiration for the title of the 1979 film directed by Nathan Schiff called Weasels Rip My Flesh, which we're going to be talking about on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. See, if I had been a more studied man, I would have answered that question differently. Well, some people asked me about it on Twitter as well, but I knew it. I knew it in my brain. I didn't know the influence was necessarily direct, but I figured he couldn't have picked or uh, or come up with that title from whole cloth. Whole- drinking something there, Mo? What are you drinking? I'm drinking some tea. Got to clear my throat out. I see. You got to clear it out before we get into the discussion today about 1979's Weasels Rip My Flesh by Nathan Schiff. Now, I have to ask you, Mo Porn, before we get into this. Yeah. Uh, have you watched any other Nathan Schiff movies before? Um, not that I'm aware of. Probably not. Because I think what he's, he's done like four. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, probably not. So you're not sure, but you think probably not. We'll say leaning towards the low chance of, no, I haven't seen any uh, of his other movies. I saw The Long Island Cannibal Massacre many years ago. At least I saw part of it. I'm not sure if I ended up watching the whole thing. But I do have to say I'm not too – I don't have a lot of experience with his filmography, which isn't to say that after watching this subject that I wouldn't go out and explore it a little more. It's very important, I think, when talking about Weasels Rip My Flesh to talk about how it was made and why it was made. Because, you know, over the last couple of days, I've been reading some reviews of it. And, you know, as we always say on No Budget Nightmares, when you watch a movie from beginning to end, you are buying yourself the right to criticize it and to have an opinion about it. And right. you also shouldn't necessarily need to know a lot of background in order to appreciate something. Right. That said, Weasels Rip My Flesh was directed by Nathan Shiv when he was 16 years old, or at least he started it when he was 16 years old. And I think that that has to be taken into account when watching it to give it a kind of the appreciation that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is very, uh, well, I, you know, it's funny that, that you would say that too, because there's definitely a lot of parallels between this and something like Slaughter Tales, you know, yes. where, you, where where you can tell that it's uh, like, you know, a, a, a young probably too young filmmaker, you know, making an attempt at, at a movie. I mean, frankly, if this dude's if the dude's 16 and he manages to put out an I mean an hour long feature film, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I think it's really impressive, especially yeah. considering the time it was made. The the timeline goes like this. He had been making short films in the 70s when mm-hmm. he was a kid, right? Yeah. Obviously a huge fan of of like monster movies from like the 50s and 60s. He gets a Super 8 camera that can record sound. He gets it, and his first thought is, I'm making a feature film. And then he just goes and does and it. And does so it, it, yeah. And it's again, it's not like having you know your iPhone in your pocket or something like that. There's still a lot of challenges, like developing all the film for one fucking thing, yeah. that you have to get over once you decide to, to go to, to make that commitment. And he did it. He made it from beginning to end. And I think that, no matter what we're about to say about the quality of the movie itself, I think that's something that has to be acknowledged and respected. 
about the fact that we're still talking about this movie 36 years on. Yeah, exactly. Weasels Rip My Flesh, Mo. It's a good title, too. It's a very good title. Cat, come on. Get out of here. <laughs> Mo has a cat in his room that is shitting near his person. No, no. He's done shitting. He's just being obnoxious now. Like, he like it, it, he does this to me. Like, when, when I'm talking to somebody else, like, he has to, like, he's like, I need your attention right now. A cat demanding attention. I've never heard of it before. It's such a random thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I did mention that this movie was shot on Super 8, so you have to expect that it's going to look pretty rough and this is an amateur movie in all the ways that you might expect you know the the visuals are bad the audio is bad the performances are fucking horrible like laughably bad the model work (laughs) is so bad that it's hard to tell what it's actually supposed to be but i am coming at this from a position of just having listened to the commentary on the dvd version of Weasels rip my flesh. So maybe I'm feeling a little bit more not sympathetic. I'm always pretty sympathetic to these situations, but I, I there's such an acknowledgement. Nathan Schiff's uh, commentary on that DVD, he just acknowledges all the limitations. You know, he, he's very upfront about, oh, this doesn't work. I never introduced this character properly. So, you know, what when you're critiquing it, what's the purpose? I- I know exactly which character he's probably talking about right there, too. And no, it's not only does he not introduce it properly, he doesn't introduce the character at all. <laughs> but there's no, there'd be no purpose. Like, there's no purpose to rip this movie apart. <laughs> that we're going to be honest about all the poor elements of it. But yeah, I mean, but, that, wh- but that doesn't change how just incredibly fun and yeah. ridiculous this movie is. I also and- find it weird, by the way, Mo, that a lot of people don't seem to recognize that this is supposed to be a tribute to monster movies because it has all those same elements that you see in a lot yeah. of classic monster movies. Yeah, it absolutely does. No, I picked that up right away. I'm like, no, yeah. this is this is fucking hilarious and fun and stupid and brilliant what, what we're trying to say is that everyone is dumb except for us that's true so if you want to get the definitive version the definitive take on weasels rip my flesh you better sit your ass down on your fucking chair because it's about to come from us <laughs> lost my train of uh speech there for a moment no i have yeah. to ask you something about the soundtrack to weasels rip my flesh sure What's up with the soundtrack to Weasel Strip My Flesh? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, there's there's only one real song in the movie. We'll play a clip of it a little bit later. But the incidental music, it there's something very distinctive about it. Oh, uh, if you're if you're setting me up to to know something, <laughs> it's absolutely not going to work cuz I I have no idea. I didn't no. I wasn't paying enough attention. Uh, it's 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 not something that you would necessarily notice. It's very dramatic you know, orchestrated music that's played as kind of a stinger moment yeah. all throughout the second half of the movie, especially the last 20 minutes, which has almost no dialogue, yeah. is almost all that kind of music. Every once in a while, while the music is playing, you'll hear weird kind of snippets of dialogue. So my suggestion is, or my, my interpretation is, that this is music that has been ripped from other movies. Oh, yeah, probably. And just kind of layered on top of it. And I thought that was a pretty actually a brilliant solution to having to have some sort of Music in the background. How else are you going to do it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I also uh, love how he uh, basically, um, uh, God, what's the term? Well, stole mm-hmm. is a, a yeah. probably a good enough mm-hmm. word. The uh, the 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 end at the end. 
how like the whole movie's like you know it's 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 in color uh you know obviously eight millimeter and then just out of nowhere at the very the very last second of the of the film for the <laughs> the end it's just this sort of like classic you know either like 50s movie black and white you know the end i love it <laughs> yeah that's actually a really great moment now we should also mention that the version that we watched was the commonly available dvd version which i think was re-edited in the early 2000s so um it might not reflect the exact order of events of the uh, vhs release but i think you'll be able to to keep up there isn't a lot of content that could could have been sliced out of it to be honest yeah so the movie begins mo in long island the most beautiful place on earth uh have you ever been to long island yeah that's why i groaned well, tell us about what Long Island is like. Well, I mean, it depends on where you are in Long Island. Because uh-huh. obviously, the farther down to the point you go, you know, the the the, the nicer it gets, and the, where the more richer neighborhoods are, often the like, more you, richer. The, yeah, the well, shut up, man. <laughs> the, the more affluent neighborhoods, you know, mm-hmm. um, as you get down to Montauk and that so area. So, what happens but when you go upwards instead? You go into the water because it's an island. All right. What happens if you stay right in the middle? Uh, if, you stay, if you smack dab in the middle, that's more like the that, that's that's where where like the the working class neighborhoods start, and and it kind of gets more um, well less affluent as you uh, as you get closer to the city. All right. So that's where we are here. Uh, and what do people from Long Island sound like? Oh my god. <laughs> All right, basically, uh, here's here's the misconception about New York is that everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you know, they get that, they have a, damn, forget yeah, about it, whatever, yeah, forget hey, about it, whatever. You I'm know, a uh, cab driver. Yeah, see, that's the Long Island accent, <laughs> you know, that everybody thinks that everybody in New York City has, but it's re- that's that's mostly Long Island, so that's what everybody in this movie sounds like. Yes, everyone sounds terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I hate the accents that are uh, in this movie. They're very distinctive. We have some clips. You'll you'll be able to hear it. Yeah. And if you are from Long Island or the general area with that terrible, terrible accent, then you can, of course, write in and tell us how we're wrong about your awful accent. But yeah. we're not going to pay attention because who gives a fuck? Exactly. So it starts on a sunny day. Some beautiful <laughs> visuals of, of, like, trees and shit. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just like a fields and forest. Fields and forest. The, the the cheapest thing to ever film with your camera. And we get a voiceover during this sequence that says a bunch of unrelated shit. Yeah, are you going to play the clip cuz <laughs> I can't even I can't even explain this. All right, so this is what we hear. This is the first thing you hear in Weasel's Rip My Flesh. The poet would have called the place Pastoro as a place out of time and a world out of balance. The serenity holds a deep, ominous foreboding as a cool, evil smell permeates the silent scape. Some people think they know what it all means. As every breath you take, another moment of life is granted. Some people think they know what it all means. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, yeah, well, I, I, you know who doesn't know what it all means? Anybody is it you? Is any, it you, Mo? <laughs> anybody who's watching this movie. Cause, well, that actually well, includes Mr. Nathan Schiff, who says that it was entirely filler. Uh, yeah, it, no, no shit it is. And what, <laughs> and, and what an off foot to uh, to start the movie on because, yeah. like, it doesn't match up to the, to the sort of um, – 
oh god tone thank you for, of the rest of the movie it's funny to put i guess if you're gonna put filler why not put it all at the at the beginning because you're not going to turn it off in the first 10 seconds and once you're past that hump then you don't have to use the filler anymore yeah exactly it's not like putting it at the very end that's a bad idea that's a really bad idea so then we get a door opening and two drunk women kind of uh, they come upstairs oh yeah speaking of filler yeah, I I've, I actually, up until the point I'm reading my notes, I forgot this part was in the movie. No, see, I didn't. There's there's a note in my uh, in well in my notes uh, about halfway through where I where I just say, "Hey, whatever happened to that killer at the beginning?" <laughs> yeah, because what it is, these women they come upstairs. They're obviously drunk. drunk yeah. We we see a hand that's kind of like covered in like shaving cream or something. Yeah, it grabs a knife, then. One of the women are playing a guitar, and she ends up getting stabbed to death. Uh, yeah, she, she's ketchup to death. Yeah, there's like spaghetti sauce all over her. Does, does it does not look like, like what the blood inside you and me may look like. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, mine's green anyway, so it may, makes total sense why it wouldn't look like mine. But mm-hmm. it's it's so odd, like, because it doesn't even look like one of the women playing the guitar. Like, it, it looks like yeah. basically like... Okay, so so that Pistoro scene takes place at the beginning. Then out of no <laughs> then out of nowhere The poet would have called it Pistoro. Yeah, whatever. Uh <laughs> what fucking poet? <laughs> what poet? Um then two drunk chicks walking up the uh, uh up the stairs, then some randomly other looking person playing guitar because it looked like a little kid. Yeah, you know. Who who then gets killed by a shaving cream covered, uh, you know, knife wielding maniac who you don't really even see, you know, and then it's like, what? Yeah, it has no connection to the rest of the movie at all. Yeah, yeah. In fact, even trying to come up with a connection would leave you frustrated because I, 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 again, I forgot that it even existed and my life was better for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's just say if you, uh, if you, you know, decide to watch this and you should, um, just remember that the movie makes zero sense until the, uh, until the title screen, which comes right now. We get the opening title scene, which says weasels rip my flesh. Yeah. <laughs> With some dramatic music playing over it and a list of names that are, People, uh, relatives of Nathan Schiff for the most part. Yeah. And it ends with written, produced, directed by 16-year-old Mr. Nathan H. Schiff. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to keep going with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) And uh, as confused as I was watching the sequence before the credits, this first sequence after the credits... It ties into the movie, no problem, but I was just as confused during it, but for other reasons. Because we get eerie sci-fi sounds playing over the soundtrack. Yeah, this is the first real tonal shift of the film, where you go from whatever the fuck that was at the beginning to this weird sci-fi. And then there's like like a, a model rocket... Uh, and, and like a couple of rocks next to it that are just on fire, and like they're all sitting on a tra- on trash bags. And now, like it- when you say model rocket, that makes me, as someone theoretically who hasn't seen Weasels Rip My Flesh, to think like a very realistic Apollo thirteen looking model. 
No, it's not rocket. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> see, <laughs> see, I'm probably more familiar with these than than a lot of people are because my dad used to actually launch these when I was a kid. Yes, I know exactly what you're going to say. But uh, but yeah, yeah, no, they're those 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 little tube rockets. <laughs> Um, that they have like the, the little three fins at the stabilizing fins at the back and they go into a point and, and you bring them out into a field somewhere and launch them. Um, it's yeah, one of those. it's one of those. Yeah. And someone has written courier on the side, <laughs> like <laughs> marker. <laughs> so what this is supposed to be is a rocket ship landing on the planet Venus. Now that how is, do you know it's supposed to be Venus? Because we find out later on that it's supposed to be Venus. Oh. But how are we supposed to know now? I have no idea. No, I, I didn't even know it was a rocket ship. I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> what? yeah. No, it makes it makes no goddamn sense. I don't know why Venus is on fire. Uh, I mean, maybe it would be. <laughs> yeah. Then we see my Venus a, is on fire. Then we see a weird pier a pier. I'm, I'm Canadian. A weird pair of pliers come out of somewhere <laughs> see i was much nicer i said a metal jaw a metal jaw but, but yeah, it is basically just a set of pliers <laughs> comes out and it grabs some slime yeah um, I, I have a really great note about this one i said i said the slime looks like that teenage mutant ninja turtles ooze that it you, looked a lot like that kind of ooze. yeah like that you would find in like that the, the flusher toy that i always used to love there with. also was a he-man branded uh ooze i had this playset. some people will know what i'm talking about here and all it is is like a tower where at the bottom you put one of the he-man characters in it and it's got a skeleton arm that yeah. holds it hold it kind of tight inward mm-hmm. and at the top of this tower there's a uh, dinosaur skull that you put the slime in and then you tilt it forward and it kind of spits up all the goo over to whatever He-Man character you have. And yeah. the only rule is don't use Moss Man because it'll make it smell fucking horrible. Yeah, and Moss Man <laughs> smelled pretty fucking horrible to begin with. <laughs> yeah, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one was 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 equally ridiculous because you had like this this you know, it, it was so much less elaborate than the thing you were talking about. It was basically <laughs> just this this sort of plastic metal, quote unquote, frame, uh, and you would put the turtle in uh, underneath it, and then there was like a little toilet um, <laughs> sit, sit, sitting on top, and you would fill the toilet with the with the ooze and uh, and turn a little crank, and it would open a thing, and the ooze would drip very very fucking slowly <laughs> onto the uh, onto the whichever one. It, it was ridiculous <laughs> well anyway this uh thing which is by the way supposed to be coming out of the side of the rocket ship picks up some ooze some slime puts it into a container seals the container and then a tool grabs the container and brings it back onto the ship yep and that is my interpretation of what we're seeing though you have to use your imagination to really connect the 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 small tools with the uh tiny model that you're seeing yeah exactly and then the rocket as you mentioned before, the, the very real rocket, it takes off into the air. Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't be air necessarily. It wouldn't have any... Uh, into the atmosphere. Into the atmosphere. Well, I don't know what kind of atmosphere it is on Venus. But anyway, it goes up. Uh, well, I guess up is also based on your uh, own interpretation of what up really means, right? But, I mean, we, but moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> heading towards the planet Earth. And uh-huh. as it goes up into the sky, <laughs> we see the underside. Of it, and uh, and we see that it apparently it apparently is being uh, powered by a light bulb. <laughs> it's like at the bottom of it, you can just see a light bulb there. Yeah, it's such a, it's 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 pretty bad. It's great 
No, it's fantastic. I'm but... six. I'm not 16 anymore. I haven't been for quite a while. Yeah. But if I was and I wanted to have a rocket in my movie, I wouldn't know how to fucking do it. I'd probably grab a toy or something and say, that's the rocket. That will get the idea across. Yeah. And, yeah. So he just used what he had available to him. One of those fucking rockets. Yeah. And I would have set it on fire personally, but, you know, that's just me. And then it, the the rocket ship blasts through space because there's a piece of blue cardboard paper <laughs> <laughs> with like with like little dots on it, <laughs> and uh, then we get a point of view shot of like the camera kind of tilting back and forth, which is supposed to represent the rocket landing. And then the rocket, which looks nothing like the rocket that we saw take off, just lands in some water. Yeah, this rocket looks like a uh, a piece of cardboard rolled up into a slightly larger tube with like a, a top on the on the end and like that's all you really see is just the, that sort of edge of the of the of the, <laughs> the rocket as it's thrown basically into the water it's right it's ridiculous yeah and we do see there is there is some like um pieces of the rocket we get to see including a sign that says danger radioactive, radioactive contents. contents yep who wrote that sign do you think probably him <laughs> no, I mean in the context of the movie itself, because this was an unmanned drone, I think. Oh, well, maybe whoever made the drone in the first place. I guess they knew they were going to Venus to pick up some radioactive content. Yeah. Okay, so this is just to get us to the next part of the movie. The idea of this is that they sent something to Venus, it picked up some shit, it brought it back and crashed, and now some people are going to find it. You know, think about almost every... 50s monster movie like The Blob or whatever, yeah. right? It's exactly the same sort of setup. Yeah. You you remember that character who they don't introduce later uh-huh. on in the film? I sure do. This would have been a great moment to introduce him. You could have just saw him looking up in the air and say, yeah. hey, hey, what's, the, what's up with that over there? <laughs> no. I'm from Long Island. No, because remember he says at the end of the movie that, that he caused the rocket to crash. Oh, that's not even the character I was talking oh, about. Oh, that's not even the one you're thinking about? No, no, I'm talking about the guy at the end of the movie. Yeah, that that guy really it could have used a single scene setting up who the fuck he was. One moment. And it could have been right there saying, Ah, my plan worked. The uh, end. Like Joe Done. Spinell. Um Yeah, it could have been Joe Spinell. <laughs> we go to the woods, the favorite location of all low budget directors, where we see two children. One of them is kicking a soccer ball. Or football is what we call it here in Canada. Do you really? No. I was going to say. <laughs> so one, uh, of them ki- one of them kicks it off up into the bushes like a fucking idiot. And then they have this back and forth where you get a real sense of those terrible Long Island accents. Oh shit. Go get it. I didn't do it purposely. Wait up. Wait up. I didn't do it purposely. Come on. I didn't do it purposely. I didn't. See, now that kid in particular, the uh, the I didn't throw it on purpose or I didn't do it purposely guy, um, he has a speech impediment on top of that accent. And it's just. It's... I would consider the accent a speech impediment. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. But yeah, yeah. He has, he has a real trouble with R's. That kid is adorable. <laughs> so one of them is named Ed and the other one's named John. These are the two kids. I didn't even hear the John the, name. I just heard Ed. No, I I know that one of them is named John. Anyway, they go off looking for the soccer ball, but what they find instead are two canisters. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
And they don't know what the fuck the canisters are, but they're little kids. So they're like, we're going to take these home. Uh, but what they do instead, <laughs> instead before that is, um, is they're going to look inside the canisters. Well, even before they decide to do that, uh, well, no, maybe I guess it's not. But it's right at, around the same time. It's right around the same time. But yeah, I guess it's John mm-hmm. um, gets bit on the, the, the ankle by something. By something. Now, we don't see him getting bit in no, this we just scene. We just see the after effect, a little right. blood because on the ankle. That would have had to require having something... <laughs> <laughs> to bite his leg exactly and that's difficult to do when you don't have that <laughs> <laughs> so he gets bitten and he apparently they see something a weasel is what it is let's just face it crawl into its weasel hole in the ground right yeah, weasel hole yeah and so they decide what uh, the most sensible thing that you of course would do is to take the shit in those canisters and pour and it into pour the weasel it down hole. The hole. Now, here, here's the thing. I didn't realize that weasels were such an issue in Long Island. The Long Island weasel issue has been long documented. I guess so. <laughs> I need to study up on this shit more. And also, I mean, the people of Long Island, they're vicious when it comes to their weasels, right? Mm. Because well, when they're they, vicious for most things, but yeah. yeah. When they see that, that fucking weasel go into its weasel hole, they need to pour... Outer space slime onto it. <laughs> so they need to get the shit out of the canister. So the kid starts like hitting the yeah, canister. Starts smacking the shit out of the canister and then it starts smoking. It starts smoking, which elicits this response from uh from one of the children. Wow, what's that yellow book? Don't go near the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you could hear the music in the background there as well, which is so clearly like 50s sci-fi music. But I yeah. love that. Don't go near it, you asshole. I, I did also note that uh, that this version of the ooze looks significantly better. Yeah, they pour the sli- It's weird because you get kind of two versions of the slime. Yeah. Because you see it pour. They pour it into the hole. But then the kids walk off and somehow this very slow-moving slime. Very slow. We get a shot from inside the weasel hole. Ooh. And a small turd-like thing, which it, is supposed to be a weasel. It's, oh my god, and it's like green. It looks sort of like a rat if you like squint. Yeah. Is a if, weasel, okay, maybe I don't know enough about weasels. What does a weasel look like, Mo? I have no idea. I'm gonna have to Google that shit. They used to call Bobby the Brain Heenan the weasel. Well, that's true, they did. So I guess they look like Bobby the Brain Heenan, but this thing looks like a turd, like a piece of shit. Yeah, weasels look like, like marmots. Mm, marmots. Okay, what does a marmot look like? Like a, like a ferret. And what does a ferret look like? Does it look like a weasel? Because looks, I think we're right back where we started. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a weasel. It looks like a hairy snake with legs. Okay, that now I understand. No, it does kind of look like a hairy snake with legs, yeah. <laughs> without the legs in this case. Yeah. So the slime comes pouring down the weasel hole. By the way, the slime apparently was made of either shampoo or conditioner. And I got to say, late 70s shampoo conditioner looked fucking slimy as shit. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that shit. Like, I, I thought it was some sort of weird thing he made with, like, eggs and milk or something, you know. Like, it was pretty pretty intense. Pretty and intense as it falls upon our little furry friend who starts to melt <laughs> or something. It's really... Who, who knows? It's completely out of focus. It's hard to tell what the fuck is happening. There's a little bit of stop motion happening. Uh, and the creature, it suddenly is, like, covered in what looks like jam. <laughs> yeah. Delicious no, it, raspberry jam. 
And there's yeah, like an, it doesn't look like jam. It is jam. <laughs> and it looks like there's like an eyeball moving around in yeah. it. And then there's like a pulsing something with an eyeball on it as well. <laughs> but needless to say, this slime is fucking this weasel up pretty seriously. Hardcore. Which I guess, you know, that's what the kids wanted to happen. They wanted this slime to fuck up this weasel. And that's exactly what occurred. Now, this next chain of events, like, is so ridiculous. I kind of love it. So, like, obviously, the you know, the, the kid who got bit, like, he starts complaining that his ankle is swollen and they they, they decide they're going to ride off. Mm-hmm. But but they, they get out of the bike. They ride about a foot, you know, before uh, before the Ralph Macchio looking uh, Ed <laughs> um, realizes that he forgot the cover. The, yeah. lid, the lid for the container. So he goes back uh, to get it and, of course, is summarily attacked and killed by the weasel. First, like, the ground... like Yeah, the it, ground it, starts to break open. Break open. Yeah, it's actually... It's all right effect. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It is very strange because John's leg, by the way, is fucked up. It's looking really bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ed is like, leave your bike here. I'll ride you home on mine. And like you said, just two minutes later, he's back trying to get the container lid. Yeah, why wouldn't you just leave it behind? You know, I mean, you got to get the fucking lid. Yeah, it's just a lid, you know. Yeah, and anyway, uh, he Ed is gone uh, for about two seconds when John, who's been left behind, starts to shout, "Ed, Ed, where the fuck are you?" It's I mean, there's no sensation that that time has passed at all. Yeah. So John. Who again is in uh, is in significant pain? Limps back to where they were, and he finds Ed's arm. <laughs> yes, and we do briefly also see the weasel. Oh my god! It's they make uh, what I should say is Nathan makes a very good decision early in this movie, which is to show the weasel as little as possible. Yeah, very good decision because it is a turd that moves, and that's it. It's pretty fucking terrible. So uh, John runs away uh, and uh, manages to get to his bike, but the weasel grabs his head uh, and squeezes it, and it, it's actually pretty bloody for a moment. And then we just get a quick shot of the giant weasel, and that's it. They're both dead. Ed's dead, and John is dead as well. Good. Yeah, good. Fuck those stupid kids. That's what you get for being kids in New York. New York, I think. New York. And then we get introduced to another character. And this is the character that I was referring to, Mo, that didn't get a proper introduction because we don't know who he is. Oh, yeah. We don't know what he's doing, and we never find out. But we do know that when he's introduced, he's driving his truck and listening to a wonderful song on the radio that sounds like this. Oh yeah. I know they're circling around up there. And here's the reason why. why. Last night I dreamed I was away. That's not a reason. Anyway, then he proceeds to fucking hit a giant weasel. He does. The weasel, we get like a shot from the side of the highway of this guy driving by, and we don't really see the weasel get hit. It's all done with <laughs> some particularly 
interesting editing, but he hits a fucking weasel. Yeah, I got to tell you about that song because that was the first time I heard the song on normal speed. Um, I was just, I, <laughs> this, I, this movie is only an hour long, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I had fun watching it, but it was definitely it definitely was more fun watching it on one point five because <laughs> it, it made everything more frantic and ridiculous. Uh, and that song sounds so much better in one point five than, <laughs> than it does in regular speed. Just a little breaking down the barrier there for a second, you know. Certainly sounds a lot faster. It is so, a lot faster. So this guy is very startled by the fact that he's hit some sort of animal. So he gets out of his car and he finds a giant severed arm. And he does something that no person would ever have fucking done. Uh-huh. You know, so so I'm sorry, you find a giant severed arm, you know, out in uh, because you presumably just killed whatever it was attached to or, you know, will be dead soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he fucking wraps the thing up in like a towel or a sheet. Not a towel, so- like a fitted sheet. You can yeah, see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like got, a sh- He's got a fitted sheet in his fucking car. Who doesn't? You know, it's, it's he the- wraps it up and he puts it in like the trunk of the his trunk. vehicle. Yeah. And he gets back in his car and drives off. Why would you take it with you? Here's the reason, Mo. He's like a scientist or something. That is what Nathan says on the commentary. He wishes he had established that he's a scientist. Oh. Even if he was a scientist, picking up fucking roadkill to bring home <laughs> doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well. Like, even if he had just said, hey, my name's Fred and I'm a scientist or some shit. Yeah. So that's his name. His name is Freddy. Yes. Fred. Yeah. Such a sacred bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's the second episode in a row he said that. <laughs> so, Freddy, I'm going to call him Freddy instead of Fred. Fred gets home <laughs> and he grabs the arm out of his trunk and brings it inside, washes his hands, which is very nice. And then he picks up a phone and dials to talk to his friend Jake. Yes. And he tells Jake, he goes, Jake, hurry up, get over here. Like, it's a big fucking deal that he has this arm. <laughs> And uh, while he's waiting for Jake, he unwraps the arm and puts on some really... Gnarly-looking gloves. So, I don't know what the state of rubber gloves was in 1979. Okay, I can probably shed some light on this one. Please do. I'm guessing that Nathan's mom probably used to color her hair. Oh, because my mom was a beautician briefly, and my mom had a pair of gloves in the house that looked exactly like that pair of gloves, and she used to use them to uh, to color her hair. So they're reusable. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They didn't use the like the neoprene or latex gloves back then. They just had like these rubber gloves. They were almost like dishwashing gloves that you could just wash off and use again. They looked like if someone took like a rubber nipple off of a bottle and yeah. made it super big and yeah. kind of would fit on your hand. Yeah, that's pretty much what they were. So he puts on these funky looking gloves and then he takes like a big meat sample <laughs> out of the arm. <laughs> and then he puts that in a jar. So I guess Start he is a shaking scientist. shaking it around. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the kind of meat I like. So then Jake arrives. And now it should be noticed, uh, sorry, it should be mentioned that everybody that's not a child in this movie has a terrible mustache. <laughs> Save for one. Save for one. Almost everyone has an awful but everybody else mustache. To, to the point that it took me, it took me a good 10 minutes to realize that the character at the end of the movie wasn't Jake. Right. Well, you should realize that for a very good reason that's about to become apparent in a moment. (laughs) 
because Jake's dead is what I mean. No, no, I, I get that, but like I thought that maybe he had just oh, like right, like, like got went sh- crazy with as a reaction to getting attacked by the weasel. Makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah. So Jake arrives. We do get a shot of the arm, which is sort of wriggling around, and like blood is squirting from the bottom. I didn't realize what that was supposed to represent until I listened to the commentary. It's apparently regenerating itself. Yeah, I just assumed that the that the arm, you know, had uh, some kind of, you know, like it was being. I I didn't realize it was creating a whole new creature. Yeah, I, I thought that it was uh, just sort of like using it as like a homing signal to go back to the rest of its body, which is equally ridiculous. Yeah, which is equally ridiculous. But you got to interpret something out of here. Anyway, yeah. Jake has the reaction as that anyone would have in this case. What the hell is that? <laughs> he says, and then. Uh, Fred gives him a summary of the movie up to this point, which sounds like this. Here's the entrance. Listen to me. Animal the size of an alligator. I'm so fast, right in front of my car. I hit the brakes. I hit him. And I cut off an arm. Got caught under the wheel and he just ran into the bushes. And, uh... Arm? Are you kidding? I got an arm. He just cut it. He just ran. I cut the arm off. The arm is in the kitchen and... I like how Jake sort of represents the uh, the the audience at this point because like you got an arm in the kitchen. You cut it off. You got an arm in the kitchen. Like if you we do interpret that Fred is a scientist of some sort, it is very weird that he'd tell his friend Jake, who just would be so incredulous about everything yeah. <laughs> about his story. I don't understand why Fred seems like kind of harried by the things. Like he's like, I don't know, I don't know why I did it. I also think it's weird that he described it as the animal as being the size of an alligator. Yeah. This <laughs> alligator-sized animal comes in. Like, Yo, I cut the arm off. I Where's got this alligator the- guy over here? Out of the kitchen over here. <laughs> uh, so they go into the kitchen to find to take a look at the arm because Jake doesn't really uh, believe that it's there, and he's right to be skeptical because they go in and uh, it's, it's gone. Not there. Then they do what everyone would do in this situation in 1979. They smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have some Virginia Slims, and they have some time sucking that shit down. There's a lot of fucking smoking in this movie. It was the time to do it before yeah. we knew it was bad for you. Well. Yeah. <laughs> it only known for 20 years or so then. <laughs> anyway, a Jake at first thinks that this is just a practical joke, because what funny joke it would be to say that you have a severed arm and then not to have it. <laughs> Oh, that's a good, that's a good one, Freddy. That's a good one. Hey, you're yanking my chain oh. over there. Yeah, yeah. Don't bust my balls. Forget about it. Have a cigarette. So the arm, uh, which of course is now achieved sentience, crawls across <laughs> the floor towards the sandaled feet of Jake, and somehow, even though it's an arm, manages to sort of bite his ankle. I guess it kind of rips his flesh. Now that I think of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I thought of it more of like just a, you know, like a scratch. Yeah, I don't know why I had to make the sound effect there, but yeah. So Freddy's like, oh my goodness. So he, of course, runs to the phone and reports this to the police. And that sounds like this. Hello, police. Yes, I'd like to report uh, an injury and some very, very strange goings on here. I, I just don't know what to explain. Can you just send somebody over right away? We've got an injured man. There's some strange goings on. Some strange goings on. That might actually be my favorite movie, uh, favorite uh, line of the entire movie. We got some strange goings on here. I should also note that, according to the commentary, every one of these Freddy uh, moments in the entire movie were filmed in a one five-hour session. So, like, a third of the movie was filmed in five hours. 
Wow. Yeah, it's actually really impressive when you think that about it. Actually, it's really super impressive. So uh, while he's on the phone, Jake starts to foam at the mouth, which is not a good sign. Yeah. So he gets up and starts attacking Freddy. And he starts to choke Freddy. And then Freddy starts spitting up some weird – I said it looked like melted peanut butter from his mouth. I don't know why. Is that what's inside of us, Mo? Yeah. Haven't, didn't you take a uh, human biology class in high yeah. Well, you have the peanut butter gland that's right a little bit below. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as, is the, um, as is the theme of this movie, Jake then grabs a knife. This is, I guess, a possessed version of Jake. Uh, he grabs a knife and he hacks off Freddy's arm. And Freddy doesn't seem to mind so much because he doesn't say a fucking word while his arm is getting hacked off. I guess maybe he's already dead. Maybe. Why did he cut off his arm? Why not? Why ask why? Drink Pepsi. Yeah. Dry but try but dry. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so uh, the the arm being cut off is the best possible effect. It's a shirt full of meat that gets sliced up. Yeah, it's actually probably one of the better effects in the movie. To be honest, yeah, it's great. Yeah. How else are you gonna do it? Get some no. dude's arm? Probably not. No. Then we see a kid walking a dog, and <laughs> the the kid is a very bad dog walker because the dog manages to get away from him very easily, and starts to follow a trail of blood. Now this is one of my this is one of my favorite moments here too because it's supposed to be clear that the dog is off his leash, you know, like uh, not off his leash, but is is away from the kid right. and following the trail of blood. But there's clearly someone holding on to that leash, <laughs> stopping the dog from getting too far ahead of the camera until the last moment where they finally let go of the leash and it, and it runs off. Yeah, and then you just see him run off with the leash. Very good, Mo. <laughs> See, I do, do? I do pay attention to some things. So uh, the, the kid ends up, well, the dog ends up finding, and the kid finds, a uh, pair of jeans full of meat. Stupid rusty. A bike and a skull with hair. <laughs> As you would, it's the remains of those children from the beginning of the movie. Indeed. And this leads to both Mo and myself's <laughs> favorite thing of all ultra-low-budget movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. A classic news report. Let's hear it. It's, of course, I mean, just imagine this turning on your local I, news. I'd have to say this. This is how it's done. This is how all these super low-budget movies <laughs> should be doing the news reports. This is how it's done. Play the clip. Kathy Kraminski, live from Westcott Swamp in Baldwin, New York. Here, the bodies of two young boys have been found totally mutilated beyond recognition. The slaying definitely have connections with other mass murders which have been taking place in this area recently. And strangely enough, this is right near where the Nassau space rocket crashed into the ocean on its return trip from the planet Venus. Units are still searching the waters for the highly radioactive specimens picked up from the planet's surface. <laughs> see, see, in in one little golden moment, you now have you now have an idea of what the fuck has been happening for the for the for the first half of the movie, you know. Because keep in mind, this is almost halfway through the movie yeah. now. Yeah, you know? yeah, we are we are almost halfway through the movie. <laughs> you know, so now we have an idea of what's been going on for the first half of the movie. You know, they don't do it at a desk uh, behind just a blank wall. She's a field reporter, which is how all of these should be fucking done. Yeah, you don't even have to you put know? like a like a, a graphic on the screen. Yeah, you don't have to do anything because she's a field reporter. It's perfect. Now, you, you know? don't have to have the funky 
fucked up accent. Yeah, you don't need to have the fucking ridiculous accent, which I'm hoping wasn't her real accent. But <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, pro- probably not. But <laughs> I guess it, you're not going to fake it with that Long Island accent. <laughs> hey, there's the two bodies of two young boys over here. <laughs> hey, we got some goings on over here. I love that there's radioactive material that they know about that's in the water, but apparently the kids, they wandered by between the time that it, a fucking Venus space probe lands on Earth and them starting to look for the radioactive material. I guess they just waited a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I also love the fact that the one thing I didn't notice the first time I watched this uh, was that this is – this is uh, – that uh, they're saying this is also uh, – uh, in regards to other mass killings that have been Yeah, going- right? Like, like, how come we don't get to see any of those other mass killings? We've only seen, like, two deaths so far, and only... I mean, and they've been barely weasel-related. I imagine that when Nathan was writing this film, and he wrote that line, mass killings, there was a plan to show a lot of fucking killings. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have to remember that guitar-playing person at the beginning, <laughs> which is somehow connected. Yeah. So, there's a guy that we now get to see... And he is smoking and shaving at the same time. He is living the dream. This dude. There, is, there's literally nothing more manly than shaving and smoking simultaneously. That's true. And this is the time of the movie, which, again, we're about halfway through, where I was like, are there, like, characters in this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, there's just introduce a character, kill it. Introduce kill it, right? So it's, is that what the whole movie is going to be? But no, the plot, as it is, starts right now with this character who I did not know what his deal was for a very, very long time because he goes into the other room and answers the phone and he explains his deal, but I couldn't understand a fucking word he was saying because he had a cigarette in his mouth the whole fucking time. Yeah, yeah, he had like uh, like one of those mini cigars. Yeah, like a cigar, that's right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, well, the only thing I caught was that his name was Detective Kavanaugh. Nope. It's not? Nope. What is his name? I believe it's Cameron. Oh, Cameron? Okay, whatever. All right, I don't know so- why it's pronounced Cameron instead of Cameron, but I'm just going to call him Cameron. Oh, see, I, yeah, whatever. I, I heard Kavanaugh. It's close enough. Uh, but I didn't hear at all what the partner's name was. So in my notes, he's just the partner. I have his name here somewhere once he gets introduced. Yeah. So this guy, we actually get to see his clothes, which have been laid out. Uh, and, and, you know, if there's a gun... And it, but it's not like a police uniform. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not just any old gun. This is like a fucking like Wild West six shooter. They there is a very clear indication that there were not a lot of guns available <laughs> when they were making this movie because there's honest, one scene where they honest, int- uh, honestly for for a sixteen year old to find any guns I'm, was pretty impressive. It's 1979. Every toy store has a gun that looks so real that you get killed going to the supermarket with it. Yeah, but that wasn't a toy gun. Yeah, I know. It looks like a real well. It's probably like a like a cap gun or something. Not a cap gun, like a. a no, it's cap. probably one of the adults' guns. Yeah. Okay. They were probably filming. Oh, with right. Them. It's Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Long anyway. Island. Long Island in the seventies. There, there's guns. So then this guy Cameron <laughs> goes outside looking pretty slick, and he puts on his mirrored sunglasses. The thing that people want to do in movies, but is a fucking nightmare because it reflects everything. Uh, but but he does do it anyway. Then he gets into his car and drives off. And no, I did not know he was supposed to be some sort of detective at this point, but he is. He's like a, a police detective. Yeah. So he drives, 
to the middle of nowhere. Again, a very. I, I love the fact that they go out of their way to have him do a three point turn. Yes. Like, you know, like he pulls into the, the neighbor's uh, driveway and turns I like, around. I was like, where's this fucker going? Yeah. I'm like, why couldn't, why couldn't he just drive off in the direction he was going? It doesn't matter to, to the audience which direction he drives off in. So he drives to the middle of nowhere because yeah. it's very inexpensive to, to go there. Uh, and, uh, and he meets another guy. And they talk for a minute. They go, is like, is this the spot? This is it. Let's look around. I don't know what they're looking for. Did, did you get from his conversation? Again, I couldn't understand what he was saying. What they're out there to find? No, I was too distracted by his walrus mustache. He does have a walrus mustache or a handlebar mustache. Yeah, I don't like the term. I don't like the term handlebar mustache for the walrus. I know it's technically right, but it just seems so wrong. Now, um, one of, anyway, one, one other I thing would, I, I need to mention right now, Mo, because this is when I started noticing it the most. Because from here on in, there's a lot of not talking in the movie. Yeah, you can hear the camera running <laughs> during the entire movie. Like you can hear it in the background while they're filming scenes. Well, it's probably one of the uh, the you know the the risks of uh, filming Super Eight with a built-in microphone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you got to give this movie credit. They, it, it, I don't think there's necessarily any post dubbing at all. It looks like they recorded all the sound while they were making it. Yeah. So good on that. But yeah, you can hear the fucking camera running. As it <laughs> <goes>. <laughs> so they they. Say that where they are, which again looks like a fucking junkyard or or, or like a, a pit, is is the scene of about fifteen murders, and they're just looking around. They, it doesn't seem that one guy goes, "What are we looking for?" And they says that they'll know when they'll know when they find it. I guess. Pretty much, yeah. It's and there's yeah, there's nothing really going on per se. They're just sort of standing and looking. But then something <laughs> does happen, Mo. We get the introduction in quotation marks. Of your favorite character in the movie. Yeah, not Jake. It's Mr. (laughs) 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 Who who introduces himself like this. Excuse me, gentlemen, but I suggest you drop your weapons. They do so. Who the hell are you? (laughs) Jesus. Never mind who I am, but I know who you are. Okay. I would like to have heard who he is. Yeah, exactly. Never mind who I am, except the audience needs to know who the hell you are. It's very... Let's explain now who he is. (laughs) Who is he, Mo? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's some scientist guy, I guess. I think he's like a mad scientist? Yeah, he's kind of a mad scientist who has discovered sort of something going on with the blood of the weasels and... Like, but he can't use it because the weasels are rabid and he needs to fix their blood. And, okay. All right. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah, <laughs> this scene is great, by the way. He tells him to throw their guns. You see one guy throw his gun, but you don't see the other one because I guarantee you that between the gun that he's holding and the one that gets thrown, that's all the guns that they had available to them. Pretty much. Uh, so then he marches these two men into the woods. <laughs> and what, 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 where is he marching them? All right, this is fucking great. <laughs> By the way, Mo, the, the characters are Cameron, and his partner is Anderson. Ah, yeah, and what about the other guy? <laughs> That's Mr. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so he marches them over to this pile of dirt. Yep. 
and uh, tells them to start clearing away the dirt. Yes, clear some of this dirt away. Clear some of the dirt away. And they f- end up finding this uh, this large piece of, well, not large, but this, <laughs> you know, relatively large piece of, of metal. And they they clearing the, the, the dirt off the metal. And they, they pick it up. And, and, yes. And, uh, and it immediately becomes some person's basement. <laughs> so they find a hatch. Yeah, they find to, a hatch to a secret underground area. But when when they open it, it's just the window to some guy's basement. I was so confused for a second. <laughs> so I'm like, hold on, that's clearly somebody's basement window. Like the hatch doesn't look the same. They didn't try to put the hatch up by the window. No, nothing, nothing at all. What's even better is that they will climb into this basement and immediately go. And go- Upstairs. upstairs which where the fuck are they going <laughs> how does that even work and also how did that guy get out of the hatch if it was covered in dirt like that oh uh, maybe he covered it with the dirt sure that makes a lot of sense no it doesn't so the gunman who we'll just call the gunman from uh for the immediate future or yeah. mr scientist sure uh, he makes them go upstairs and he says don't try anything funny i like killing people that's a line I would have written if I was 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I would have too. So he marches them into like a late 70s living room and makes them sit down and sort of explains what's going on. And I'm glad he did because I was very confused at this point. Yeah. So he explains it. I'm just going to play a little bit of audio so you can see how confusing this is. Disorientation of nature and a major turn in the history of the world. This place looks like some sort of a laboratory. It's got wood paneling. <laughs> yes, it has wood paneling. By the way, you can totally hear the camera here. Shortly after the crash and the Venus space probe. You know, I think this situation's getting a little out of proportion. Alright. Come with me. Okay. So, by the way, that line, a little out of proportion. It's so fucking stupid. Anyway. Yeah. He's a scientist, like a mad scientist, yeah. who caused the, the, the space probe to crash so he could get the goo from Venus so he could use it. He could either cure all diseases or take over the world. Yeah. By by the way, this is the uh, the moment in the uh, in my notes where I have my favorite note, where it just says exposition, which I guess it is important. Yeah, no, it's good. No, I'm thankful. I mean, granted, they waited till the last you know twenty minutes of the movie to do it, but you know the fact that we now have some idea, I feel thankful that I invested the the first thirty five minutes so that I I know what's happening now. So I was confused by a lot of this movie. But I have to say, what happens right right now? Now that sound clip ended with him saying, "Come with me." Right. He takes the two guys, Cameron and Anderson, into yep. the other room. Yep. And shows them what? What does he show them? Um, a hamster, yeah. rodent, rodent, a something. rat, maybe, maybe a rat. Yeah, they. It's a little out of focus. And they don't. It's it's clearly nature footage. Like it's obviously not like like I don't think they filmed that. <laughs> But we're supposed to think that that is a giant rat. Yeah, we're supposed to assume because it's filmed super close 
uh, that this is supposed to be a giant rodent of some kind. It's not a weasel. Now, Dougal, <laughs> these ones are very small. Those, <laughs> Those are, are far, far away. away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't get the indication at all that this was supposed to be a giant animal. No. They go into the room. It shows a quick shot of a rat. Yeah. Then they leave and they're like, oh, now we understand. What? <laughs> <laughs> so that creature, I guess, was created by radioactive specimens from the probe. And then because the guy who's been nothing but vicious and threatening the entire time, he's decided to uh, turn over a new leaf. He gives them both a drink. And you can probably guess where this is going. Yeah, it's going to uh, Cameron sniffing the drink like a fucking idiot. It's so <laughs> like he just sticks his nose in. You know, you know. And yeah, needless to say, they're both drugged. Like, but even before that, the 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 scientist says that he has captured them to help, so he will have them to help with his work. What the fuck kind of sense does that make? Well, he needs their blood so that he can clean the rabid blood of the weasel. Right, of course. Because he needs the plasma from their blood, which is probably the only thing that makes any sense, except for the fact that there are drugs to treat rabies. I don't understand why he couldn't, like... (laughs) And there were in the 70s, too, by the way. It's not like a new thing. Like, in 79, they could have cured the rabies out of the weasel, no problem. I don't know why he needed to cleanse the blood with their, you know... maybe because 16 years old, Mo. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But also, fair so, enough. Fair enough. So he is in a, in an underground lab that I guess he built or something. Well, yeah, so yeah. He says he built it. He built an underground lab that goes down and then up or whatever. Yeah. He M- could have just MC Asher designed it. <laughs> he could have just waited there. These two police detectives would have come, not found anything, and left again because, of course, they would. Yeah. And. Couldn't he, I mean, why risk getting two cops as opposed to just killing someone else to get the blood? Yeah, he totally could have just gotten the blood from anybody. Especially because it seems like there are murders happening every five minutes that we don't get to see in that general area. Yep. We also learn now that the beast, as he describes it, is immortal. And that uh, each dismembered limb can actually grow into a whole new life. Yeah, which we learn really soon after that is apparently not true. Yeah, it's apparently not true. (laughs) (laughs) Because they managed to kill off the weasel pretty easily for something that's immortal and can regenerate itself, you know, Wolverine style. (laughs) So as you already have probably interpreted, uh, both drinks are poisoned and they both pass out. Yeah. Uh, And uh, then Anderson wakes up on like a slab. Yeah, he gets the bum rap. Uh, he gets the now, bum deal on this, the short end now, of the stick, so to speak. The science guy's laboratory, <laughs> for a guy who was able to build a underground lab, his science equipment yeah. is pretty limited. Yeah, it looks like his mother's old Persian tea set. <laughs> it's a tea set? Yeah. He takes a syringe out of a teapot. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes blood... From the weasel arm. Yep. Then it shows him uncover a woman in a bed. Yeah, some random woman. Some random woman we never got introduced to. And he takes blood from her neck. Yeah. And I guess he's combined the weasel blood and this woman's blood and then injects it into Anderson's arm? Yeah, because it makes sense. Why does that make sense? 
Because it's a movie. Ah, now yeah. I understand. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably not going to be good for Anderson as we'll no. find out momentarily. <laughs> then Cameron wakes up. And, uh, and the music at this point is so dramatic. It's like from an old like 1970s Disney movie. This or, is like a this, nature documentary. This is honestly one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie right here is him breaking free of of his thing so so for some reason he wakes up and has access to a cigar of course because he yeah. does you know so uh you know and and in and in a uh 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 terrible line of thinking on the scientist's part he <laughs> chains him up next to something that's hot or has an open flame on it apparently yep. uh and so he uses that that to to light a cigar which he then uses to burn his way through his his restraints. Now he has like restraints that are like rope, but also chain. Yeah, well, apparently the ropes are more important than the chains because once the ropes are off, he has no problem getting out of the rest of it. <laughs> so Cameron gets free. And let's be clear, though, these are not ropes. It's clearly some piece of sheet <laughs> yes. twisted up. <laughs> Mom, is it okay if I burn the sheet? Sure, honey. Well, you I'll... already wrapped that fucking arm in it, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> They're already fucking covered in fake blood and ketchup. <laughs> so Cameron finds a knife. And then what happens? What? He drops it like a fucking idiot and oh. breaks the tip off of it. Yeah, because, you know. I don't know why that's important, but he drops it. I guess it's to explain why there's no tip on the fucking blade. Maybe. Then he finds an upside-down bowl. Now, no, it's like one of those dinner plate covers. Yeah, it's it's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Like if someone's got like a fancy meal, they'll take it off of it, right? Yeah. So so needless to say that Nathan's mom had some fancy fucking supper. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> So he picks it up and under it is a big piece of shit. <laughs> but it's supposed to be a weasel. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be one of the weasel babies. Now, what I think this is supposed to represent, if I have my idea, uh, ideas right however the scale on the two of these things makes no fucking sense but yes. i think what it's supposed to be is it's supposed to be one of those metal uh cocoon type things that yes. that has all the 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 the, child, the babies in it so the scientist before he knocked both of them out showed him <laughs> yes an, like a, a an array of all these different like metal things yeah which inside were supposed to have pieces but like you said, the scale doesn't work because one of them was a little thing, and this is a full-size thing. Yeah. But it does show them briefly again as he's doing the chopping, I think. So he chops this fucking thing in half, which I don't think would be very effective because we've already been told that it'll grow back from each half. Yeah. And then Cameron looked really upset, and I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, he does what anyone would do. He goes back into the basement and finds a big canister of gasoline, and then he starts pouring it all over the place. Yeah, he just burns everything. Yeah. Now, we don't really get to see much burn because that would be something that those kids who were trying to recreate Raiders of the Lost Ark did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're going to do here. Yeah, I actually have a, a note in here uh, comparing the two, the Raiders of the Lost Ark to this one. What does your note say? I forget. I, I, I passed by it already. <laughs> so while all this is going on, uh, the scientist is none the wiser, but he is recording his science log, and this is his final log. This will be the last entry in my log. 
My experiment now nears completion. Me and the boys went to go play stickball in the alley. I will live forever. I hit a home run off of Johnny Two Fists. <laughs> so he's recording his log, and then he looks into some sort of lamp. Lamp that's supposed to be like I guess a camera yeah. that that is showing him what camera is up to, and he goes that bastard. Yeah. And then he does what he of all got... of all the suspensions of disbelief in this movie, that's the biggest one. And then he does what a scientist would do in this situation. He grabs the most available weapon, which is of course a pitchfork that is on the wall for some reason. A pitchfork! Science pitchfork. Yeah, 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 for science. Now Cameron, on the other hand, finds a gun and picks that up instead. So we got the classic pitchfork versus science. Uh, Sorry, pitchfork versus scientist (laughs) man with a... Science. No, uh, we we got the classic pitchfork versus gun battle. Oh, I see you you brought a gun to a pitchfork fight. (laughs) Uh, And actually, uh, Cameron gets uh, uh, smashed in the face or sliced up in the face with a pitchfork in the side of his head. And he responds by shooting the science guy in the back. And I think they actually used a real squib for this. They did something because there's a... It looked pretty good. Yeah, it's choppy. But hey, the guy gets shot, which is... That is the piece de resistance of doing a movie like this. So the, like the entire budget went into. By the way, Anderson from earlier, he's dead. Or is he? Or is he? So the scientist crawls over to what he thinks is Anderson's corpse, but he finds just some foam. <laughs> and then a big monster arm grabs the scientist's head. And we, for the really the first time in the movie, for real, we get a shot of what the whole this is Anderson as a mutated version of the creature. What does he look like? Um, well, I mean, you've been doing a pretty good job all film. He, <laughs> he, he looks like a, 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 a turd in a shirt. A giant turd dripping yellow slime is what I have here. I, I mean, honestly, he, I mean, realistically, he looks more like a mole. Yeah, yeah, it's got really its face is fucking weird looking. It's almost very, disturbing. It looking, is a little actually. disturbed looking, but I actually really enjoyed the 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 giant weasel man effect yeah. even though it's clearly not a weasel, but what does that matter? It's you know, a mutated it's weasel. Just, it's a mutated, you know, monster man and I actually really dug the shit out of it. So he takes the scientist's head and he smashes it into a wall and it leaves a big bloody mark and I was like, "You know what, Nathan? I'm on your side in this movie." Yeah, man. It looks pretty good. It was pretty cool. I have it written, it really is a rather disturbing looking creature. (laughs) (laughs) So then the scientist guy, who isn't dead, he grabs some sort of sharp implement. (laughs) It's like, um, I don't know what it is, some sort of of tool. And he jams it into the creature's skull, which doesn't kill it. It just seems to make it a little bit more pissed. Yeah. So uh, the scientist guy does what he probably should have done from the beginning. He goes into the other room and grabs a gun and loads it with some very conveniently lined up bullets. Yeah, I have to say my notes at this point say I legitimately have no idea what is happening. Is the, I'm explaining it for you, Mo. Is the partner dead? Is he transforming? Dying? Growing? <laughs> like said, so, no idea because there's a moment here where we see a different creature but it's not yes. a, but but we didn't know it's a different creature we assume it's the fucking detective's partner mm-hmm. you would think yeah because we just had that scene with the detective's partner so now or anderson i guess his name is you know so when this shit happens we're now like 
what the fuck is going on? But it's actually a totally different creature. Yeah, which which becomes clearer afterwards. Yeah, later. But isn't very clear right now. Yeah. By the way, the background of this scene, there's a piece of music that is just looping over and over, and you can yeah. hear where the loop break is, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it starts to get really fucking irritating. It gets really irritating. So one of the weasels, as you mentioned, comes up behind the scientist, and it breaks some glass. I don't know what that glass was. It's stone cold. Yeah, that's right. Stone cold! <laughs> stone cold! Then what? it... Then, because this is uh, Weasel's Rip My Flesh, it rips the fucking arm off of the dude. It bites yeah. his arm off. There's there a lot. A, there's a lot of arms being ripped off in this movie. Nathan hates arms. Just hates them. So while all this shit is going on, Cameron, who really hasn't been a part of all this violent stuff, escapes out of the hatch. Then <laughs> <laughs> he climbs through the basement, basement window. window. <laughs> then as soon as he gets out. He puts on that fucking sunglasses again. <laughs> we get to see that he has a big pitchfork wound on his face. <laughs> and then the ground starts to rise up once again, and he is faced with a giant paper mache weasel. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I said the weasel breaks through the ground. This effect looks way worse. <laughs> then the, the weasel attacks him, and he's, like, holding its mouth open. <laughs> And then Anderson, or the mutated version of Anderson, he comes out too. I mean, I would have liked to have seen the, the bit where they both crawl out of that fucking hatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so Anderson, who I guess still has enough of his humanity left to know that he wants to save his partner, he grabs the creature, and then the two weasel creatures start fighting. And I should say that while Anderson is fighting, you can see how his monster arms, where they end before his shirt sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> And then Anderson starts ripping the weasel's flesh, just like the title. Yeah. It's weasels rip weasel another weasel's flesh. flesh yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah. So he quickly has an arm full of turd, as I have here. <laughs> and and here, here, is, here is one of my favorite oh my, cut, yes. cut scenes. Because this scene, the transition from the last scene to this scene makes even less sense than the transition from... <laughs> Between any other scenes, because now all of a sudden we go from being in this open sort of like dirt field to being in the middle of the fucking forest, you know, uh, to a, it's a good thing we are. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because otherwise, how would we match to the model that's coming up? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we see now is the expansive wilderness. Oh, my God. Which is. Supposed to be where they are. Yeah. All it is is like. <laughs> it's a, literally somebody dug a hole in the ground and set fire in it. And just put a little fire in there. And put little like fucking like model train uh, train kit trees around it. That's right. And there's a little model of a weasel on oh, fire. <laughs> my God. But that's what it's supposed to be. It's like it's like the uh, the wide shot of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that scientist who got his arm. Uh, and uh, and and honestly, you know, the, the, if it was just the hole with the little uh, model train kit trees around, would be great. If there weren't giant fucking trees behind it, <laughs> yeah, you can totally tell. <laughs> so the scientist guy with the one arm, he, who got his arm bitten off, he's still alive. Yeah. So he also managed to get through that hatch somehow, <laughs> uh, and actually doesn't seem too bothered by the fact that he's missing his arm yeah, at all. Not not at all. And by the way, there hasn't been any dialogue for, since he did that uh, that that uh, log uh, earlier. Not not a shit log, uh, though. You could be um, forgiven for thinking that's what it was. <laughs> so it's like there's no dialogue. 
the the scientist uh he kind of runs off and Cameron is watching him and uh and the scientist guy ends up going by a pond. Yeah, he runs off to the to probably Long Island Sound. <laughs> and Cameron is watching him and he takes out his gun and <laughs> and this is great cuz I'm like, "Oh, great, he's going to get shot and fall into the water." Yeah. And then Cameron says I what I think is the last line of the entire movie. It which, is. Which doesn't make any sense but does sound like this. A man like you has got to realize his limitations. Now, I did keep in what happens right after that as well. What happens? Gunshot. Oh, no. Dramatic music. Now, <laughs> you might think, okay, even though I don't know why Cameron said that. Yeah. It's, it's okay that he shot him, right? Yeah. So the scientist also pulls out a gun. And Cameron actually shoots him a, f- a few times. Yeah, Cameron shoots him a few times, and the scientist manages to get a shot off on the on Cameron's uh, leg. Right, which yeah. somehow made three holes in his pants. Yeah, we, whatever. <laughs> but then uh, the greatest oh, thing. This is the greatest moment in cinema history. Really. Maybe cinema history. Yeah, this 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 took me so off guard that yes. I, I had to pause the movie and I laughed for like 10 straight minutes before I could before I could compose myself enough to finish the movie, which is you, basically over. You can say a lot about Weasel's Rip My Flesh, but I'll tell you, it puts all the great stuff at the end. Yeah, yeah. And then okay, so it's one of the greatest twist end- endings in the history. M. Night Shyamalan has nothing on this guy. So Cameron, he got shot in the leg. He's checking out the hole. There's a snippet on the soundtrack of a very familiar piece of music. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like uh, the John Williams Jaws theme. A little bit. Murder. <laughs> and then the scientist who is standing in and the pond. Yeah, it's apparently not dead after being shot several times. Well, that'll be fixed by the fact that a <laughs> fucking shark <laughs> comes out of the water and rips his other arm off. Cameron is watching this, does not seem surprised at all that a fucking shark <laughs> eats this guy's arm. The shark, I gotta say, it's just a fake shark. It's like, just a toy. It's just a toy. But I was so happy to see it. I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. oh my god! It, it made that what this one moment made the entire fucking movie worth it. it oh, was I was so happy. Oh, so good, so good. So then the Cam- Cameron limps <laughs> off into the sunset. The camera pans slowly up to the sky. And then, like you said before, we get the classic Hollywood, the end, (laughs) which looks so out of place, but so perfect. And that is the end of Weasel's Rip My Flesh. I I, got to tell you, you know, I I mean, we, you know, it's, it's sort of our job to sort of tear, tear these movies apart, you know, uh, or break them down, I should say. Um, but I had such a good time with this movie, like way more than I expected to have. Yeah. You know? Like I realized about maybe like, maybe about 10 minutes in, like once, once the, the like, like the movie proper started really getting <laughs> into gear, like, uh, I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, and then once the, uh, the, the news, 
uh, woman, like the the on the scene reporter, shows up and sort of explains what it what had happened for the first half of the movie. You know, like you, now you're invested. You know, but right? uh, but oh my god, I just just enjoyed this movie so fucking much. It's such a fun, ridiculous ride. I mean, one of the really good things about it is that it's only an hour long. So, you know, there's always stuff happening and it it never, it never overstays its welcome. It, look, it looks cheap. You know why? Because Because it was. Yeah. This is as, as legitimately no budget as you can really get. There was no budget. They had no money. He just, as a 16 year old said, I'm going to make a feature length or close enough version of the, the monster movies that I love. And he just went out and did it. And yep. he made a movie that you can watch and understand to most most of the time and enjoy. Which I'll tell you, there are movies that cost $100 million that are twice as long that I have a lot less fun with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Weasel's Rip My Flesh is something you should definitely check out if you're a fan of this podcast. Because it is the epitome of the kind of attitude that we kind of preach on the show. Yeah. Which is that you have the technology to make a movie. Go out and make one. Now, this is the movie – this is like the movie that a lot of your filmmakers that you would know and love, like a Peter Jackson or even like a Steven Spielberg, this is what they used to do, right? They yeah. made their little short movies. Most of them you never get to see. And then they kind of graduated into doing longer and longer and more detailed work. And that's that's what this is except this got a release. Yeah. Because it's it, it actually ended up entertaining enough. Because it's one of the, stupid fun. One of the things we mentioned on the Bad Taste uh, episode is that Peter Jackson was making a Super 8 movie, uh, a zombie movie, and didn't complete it right before he made Bad Taste. And that was his basically, you know, that was getting his skills to the point where he could make a feature. Nathan didn't wait. His skills were not there yet, but he did it anyway. And I think that's pretty admirable. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, you know. Oh, is that, are you whacking off? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm clapping. Thank you. <laughs> One hand jerk there for young Nathan. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we did say at the beginning that you know it's interesting to contrast it with something like Jennifer Help Us, which was also made for an extremely low budget. Yeah. Uh, and using just an iPhone, you know, just just what was available to them. Um, and and even though those filmmakers obviously uh, had a lot more skill and were were trying well, pro- to tell probably had a lot more training too. They had, you know, they had a, a lot more resources available to them, but it's still the same kind of attitude, which is yeah. I have something that can make a movie. I have some people available to me who will help me to one extent or another. So I'm just going to go out and do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I mean, this, this, I mean, honestly, Weasels Rip, Rip My Flesh is, is, is pretty punk rock when you think about it. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. You know, very, very DIY, go out there, fucking just do it. Even calling it Weasels Rip My Flesh is such a... You know, it's just like it's just it's just such a take no shit, give no shit type attitude. Exactly. Call your movie that it's like you're not going to forget the fact that my movie is called Weasels Rip My Flesh. Yeah. So I guess what we're really saying here is, if you have a phone that can shoot video, then you should go out and make a movie. There's no reason not to. It isn't that hard. Well, I mean, on, honestly, in this day and age, you know, two things that most people at this point have, you know, a cell phone. And a laptop or a yep. computer, you know, there's plenty of, of digital software, you know, editing software out there. Uh, you know, I mean, you have there's lots of tutorials on YouTube. If you a lot, yeah, lots of how to stuff because you really don't even need that much training. I think I'm fucking proof of that, you know, to, to, to be able to do at least decent, you know, cuts. Sure. Whatever, you know, just go fucking do it. 
It's funny because Nathan, at the very beginning of the commentary, he says, I had gotten this camera, the Super 8 camera, that could shoot sound. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to make a feature film because I'd been making short movies and they weren't very hard to do. So how hard could it be to make a feature? Huh. And then he just went ahead and did it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you learn by doing, skip film school, just start making a movie tomorrow, send it to us when you're done. We'll rip it apart on No Budget Nightmares. And then you make a better one afterwards. Yeah. That's the way to do things. And that's the end of Weasel's Rip My Flesh from the year 1979, which was before, Mo, before I was born. Not me. Nope. But it was like around the same time. Yeah, it was. I was born in 79. Born in 79. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so maybe it's, it's I mean, you must have a, a particular connection with Weasel's Rip My Flesh because of it when it was made. Nah. No? Okay. So, Mo, on the next episode of No Budget (laughs) Nightmares, what are we going to do? What can we possibly talk about next? Uh, We are going to cover... Uh Uh-huh. So you got it written down right there in front of you, Mo. Yeah, I don't, because I'm stupid. I do. do. Uh, We're going to cover Splatter, Architects of Fear. Peter Rose, Splatter, Architects of Fear, from the year 1986, where we were both alive then, Mo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And we'll we'll be talking about that at length on the next episode. Mo, if people want to check out more episodes of No Budget Nightmares, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, I mean, for more episodes, they can go to our website to find the archive. It's nobudgetpodcast.com. Uh-huh. And they can also find us over on on the Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash no budget nightmares, all one word. And you can go and talk to some of the filmmakers involved with some of these movies. Yeah. You can ask us questions. You can find out little hints about what we're going to be doing next. It's a lot of fun. Join the conversation today. And Mo, what if they wanted to find you on the social media? What's the best way to do so? Oh, well, they can go on to the Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, I am at drunk on VHS. And I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L. E Y. What else you got going on, Mo? Not a damn thing. I've been obsessing about uh, like tabletop role playing games and, oh. and and board games and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, it's 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 been an interest in my life for a long time, but I just don't really have a lot of people to play with, and now I kind of do. Mm. So I've been getting a little obsessive about it. I, I started up a uh, a D and D campaign because I'm that much of a nerd. That is pretty nerdy. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So what other what give me an example of some of these tabletop RPGs? Well, like um let's see there's a uh, a more story driven horror based one uh called Dread that okay. uh, that uses um instead of rolling dice or anything like that it uses a Jenga tower. Oh. Um so every time you do something that could have a potentially negative consequence you pull uh, you, you pull up, pull a block and, and you're basically playing a game of Django while you're telling stories, you know? So it adds a skill-based element to, to the role-playing role. Exactly, exactly. So, so, and, you know, as the story progresses, obviously it, it gets more harried and, and, uh, um, and, and intense. And, uh, if you knock the tower over in, in your, in your pull, you are then marked for death and it doesn't have to happen immediately, but you know, it will happen. So there's that. Um, there's another one, uh, that was actually made back. That's a relatively recent game. Um, but then there's one that goes back to like the, the early eighties called paranoia. Uh, and they did a a reboot, like a 25th edition reboot called troubleshooters. Um, 
which is uh, you're like super low level, like uh, low security clearance right. uh, in this uh, complex in a set in a post apocalyptic sort of world, and uh, you're charged with, by this supercomputer to complete these tasks. But in the process of doing these tasks, you have to sort of like sniff out like communists and mutants, you okay. know, who might be amongst your group. So uh, I heard it described once as competitive. Uh, I'm sorry, as uh, cooperative backstabbing, which, <laughs> and, and it's super fun, very tongue in cheek sort of thing. Um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it sounds. It actually sounds like a lot of fun. Have you watched yeah. any movies lately, Mo? Oh my God, I have. I, like I've been keeping track so far this year of the movies I've watched, and I'm up to 115 uh, so far with Weasels with my flesh. What the hell is that? That was me coughing, oh. which I would. I've appreciated you not referring to. <laughs> it would make editing it very easy. <laughs> um, but recently, I did a. Uh, I did a. A trio of movies about viscous liquids killing people. So I did. Oh. So I did the Blob. Uh, followed Which up, version? Uh, the the '80s version. Oh, I see. Um, followed up by the Stuff. Uh, followed up by Street Trash. Oh, that actually, that would make for a very fun. That was trilogy. a that was a super fun triple feature. Over on the, another podcast, uh, the Theme Warriors podcast, uh, we are covering movies about. Fucked up families. Uh, so I picked, okay. and we each got to pick one movie for it. I picked Spider Baby. Nice. Uh, we also picked, someone picked The Baby from 1973, I Bo- think. Both great movies. Yeah. Uh, the third movie was a Stoker, the uh, Chen Wook Park movie from a couple years ago. Okay. And the fourth movie was Visitor Q by oh. Takeshi Mike. That, now that's a wild fucking. Night of movie watching. Yeah, and that was that's a fun experience. But uh, I haven't seen Visitor Q uh, since I was probably in my early twenties, and um, that movie's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fucked up movie. It, even it even taking into account the career of Takeshi Miike, yeah, that one that one goes into some fucked up places. Yes, it does. So uh, that's that's my recommendation of the week. Visitor Q. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I once. Um... Back when I was still doing written reviews, I once did a uh, – I had this little group of of guys who we would – it was like a movie-watching club, so to speak. And uh, every week we would pick a movie um, and watch it and then write like a one-paragraph review of it and we would put them up all on this website. The the whole thing fell apart when it was my turn to pick a movie because (laughs) because I picked Spider-Baby. And everybody else in the group hated it so much that they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Really? Because they didn't want to risk, uh, they didn't want to risk having to come back to me picking another movie. Really? Spider Baby did that. So the whole thing broke down because of Spider Baby. And I'm like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. This movie's so much fun. They, they hated it. Well, there's no accounting for taste, which yeah. should be should be the slogan of No Budget Nightmares, it the really, podcast. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> but yes, uh, I also, by the way, got a chance to check out Greg Lamberson's Killer Rack from 2015. I need to uh, watch that. I keep... Yeah, you should watch that. I'm not going to talk too much about it here. Uh, I will have a write-up on it over at Daily Grindhouse. Uh, that site has been down for the last couple of weeks almost. Uh, it's been very frustrating, but should be up by the time you're listening to this, and hopefully so will this review of Killer Rack. It is uh, it is quite something. It's uh, very different than I was expecting, that's for sure. Mm. should also have a review up for 
the Robert Klaus film Force 5 from 1981, which is a lot of fun. Hey, 1981 rhymes with fun. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> all of that and more coming up. <laughs> but on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, Splatter, the architects of fair. Ooh. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, Moa, you have to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> More or less, Mo has to get to work. We have to get going, but we'll be back in a very a shorter period of time. I think we'll try to do it in less than a month this time. <laughs> we'll be back talking about Splatter Architects of Fear in just a bit. Mo, do you have anything to say to the people before we go? Good night, everybody. Good night, you lovely people.